Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main HeyYA podcast, we'll bring you a short form podcast of YA Talk across a wide range of topics. I'm Erica Ezefetti. So we are in the very early days of Native American Heritage Month, so I wanted to kick it off with some great graphic novels by Indigenous authors and artists. The graphic novels I will talk about today have psychedelic elements, themes of displacement, and even some time travel. So I think I got a good mix. Uh, but before we get into them, let's first hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Unchipped, the most epic dystopian science fiction adventure series that you've probably never heard of. And bonus points because it's Finnish. And when's the last time you read a Finnish dystopian science fiction novel? Right. Okay. So in this one, humanity is destroying itself as a city's burn, which sounds kind of familiar. It is the time of the great affliction. In this terrible world, a new hope arises. The happiness program, which is the creation of a Finnish pharmaceutical genius, Dr. Laura Solomon. With happiness, pills, mind mapping, and microchips, Dr. Solomon intends to build a new world for the worthy few, which sounds like a perfect plan and nothing could go wrong, right? Right. So this is a raw but fun dystopian sci-fi adventure with an unusual premise describing what happens when technology rules humanity. Either you're chipped living inside the AR society or you're left outside to barely survive. Make sure to check out Unchipped by Taya DeVere. And thanks again to Unchipped, the most epic dystopian science fiction adventure series that you probably never heard of for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so the first book I have for you is Pemmican Wars by Katharina Vermet, illustrated by Scott B. Henderson. This is a first in a series called A Girl Called Echo, which is about, as you may have guessed, a girl named Echo. LOL. In this first book, we find out that she is a teenager living away from her mother and going to a new school, and it is just as lonely as it sounds. And as a result, and trying to just, you know, feel less lonely, she finds herself often daydreaming in class and to conjure up her mother in a way she listens to her mother's CDs while she like roams around the halls and stuff like that. But then something miraculous happens. When her history teacher starts teaching her class about Miti history, Miti being the indigenous group of people Echo is part of, she finds herself transported back in time, specifically to 1800s Saskatchewan, which is present day Western Canada. 
What's really cool about this is that she gets to see how her people lived. She sees her, um, how they had these like movable, like mobile hunting camps and things like that. She also sees how they made food. Uh, this particular food that was vital to their survival called pemmican, which is of course what the book is named after. It's a combination of fat and meat and sometimes even berries that is dried down so that it can be preserved through like the winter and stuff. I looked up a picture of it to see like what it looked like in real life and it kind of looks like jerky or like granola bar. If the granola bar was like comprised of fat and meat and the occasional berry. So just a little visual there. Um, It's also in the graphic novel, of course. Um, Now, you may be wondering, why is it called Pemmican Wars? Well, that's because different indigenous people in the area were competing for food. You can imagine how important it is to store food before the winter. So now imagine that other groups are trying to do the same thing. And then you also have white settlers coming in, buffalo are being killed, you know, the typical, the traditional protein source. And so suddenly you have a fight for survival. The Métis were also competing to trade with the Northwest Trading Company, which would again allow them to survive harsh winters and become economically competitive and stuff like that. So Echo sees all that. There's this girl too, she meets who shows her the Métis lifestyle and she enjoys getting to learn about her history until things get violent and bloody. And as she sees how her people struggled in this time, she sees the connection to her people's struggle in the present day, including how her and her mother struggle. So there's a lot of history in this graphic novel. So you get to learn about the history of the Métis, but it doesn't feel like a dry history lesson. Like the words are minimal, which lets the art kind of speak for itself. There's also a lot of information in the appendix. So I liked it. The art is pretty, I think. (laughs) Just not much in the way of a description, but it's great. I think you can learn a lot from it and it connects the past to the present. So again, that's Pemmican Wars by Katharina Vermette, illustrated by Scott B. Henderson. The next one I have for you is Surviving the City by Tasha Spillett, illustrated by Natasha Donovan. And it is an award-winning graphic novel about Mikwin and Dez, who are besties from different indigenous groups. Mikwin is Anashinabi, and Dez is Ininu. They are two teen girls just trying to make it as indigenous young women, women living in an urban setting, basically, which is evident by the title, Surviving the City. So it says it kind of early on, like what they're up against, which is the city. So they are so close that they've completed a ritual together known as the Berry Fast, which is a tradition that celebrates a girl turning into a woman. Um, Getting your period in some indigenous communities was a sign of incoming power and young women were encouraged to learn from their elders and things like that during this time. And this Berry Fast, the Berry Fasting lasted for like a year. I really loved learning about this. I thought it was super cool. I feel like it was such a nice contrast to the period shaming and body shaming and stuff that we, well, I have seen, many of us have seen that is so prevalent in North America or has been. I feel like we're moving away from that. So it's just like, (laughs) it's like we're (laughs) behind what Native American people were already doing in this land, but go figure. So back to the girls. Oh, I should say before I move on that traditions like berry fasting were outlawed by 
the white settlers when they took over took control of the land. So I think there it was outlawed in the United States and Canada as well. So um, they kept knowledge of the tradition, but they were barred legally from practicing this tradition because, you know, it was a genocide. They were trying to not only kill Native Americans, um, their bodies, they were trying to destroy the culture and the language and everything like that, hence the residential schools and all that stuff. And all hence why we have a Native American slash Indigenous month to relearn all this stuff. So back to the girls. Des, who has been living with her grandmother, finds out that her granny has to have her foot amputated because of diabetes. Not only that, but she, Des, that is, will also have to go live in a group home as a result. Sure enough, one day she sees her grandmother speaking to a social worker and she doesn't want to go with them. So she runs away and ends up sleeping on a park bench. In addition to this, both girls start to notice the predatory gazes of men. And it's mentioned how they attended a rally for missing indigenous women and two-spirit people in the mall. So the book actually highlights this issue very well and shows not only its seriousness, but also its prevalence in the present day and how it ties to colonialism. Because I think especially in Canada, I don't want to leave the U.S. out if, you know, if it applies to us. But I know in Canada, there are a lot of missing Indigenous women and girls. There are like a lot of missing cases. So this highlights, highlights that basically. So again, that's Surviving the City by Tasha Spillett, illustrated by Natasha Donovan. The last one I have for you is the trippy, the psychedelic one. Like this is so much fun. The art is so cool. All of them have great art, of course, but this one is like different, has different color schemes and it's trippy. So it's titled Prism Stalker by Sloan Leung. Again, this is very dreamlike, trippy looking art. It follows Vep, who is an indentured worker and refugee who had to leave her home planet. So one day a military firm takes her away to help them colonize a new planet. And suddenly she sees how it feels to be on the side of the colonizers, although of course, this was not her choice. There's also an unwanted disconnect from her culture and her parents' language that she feels. And um, the graphic novel artist, Sloan Leung, explores this visually in very interesting ways. Uh, we see Vep trying to reconnect to her culture in any way she can, basically. And this attempt is honestly in like total opposition to the work she's being made to do on the military firm's command which is to essentially destroy the home and culture of beings who are native to the planet that she's been stationed on, right? It's interesting to think, to juxtapose, like trying to maintain your culture and like revel in it, learn about it, enjoy it while actively destroying another one. So it's interesting to think about even with, in her case, it's not something she chooses, but it is interesting to think about in terms of colonialism at large, like, if we're seeing these struggles in her, um, which I, again, Sloan Leong does in a really cool job of exploring it in a an interesting way. So if we're seeing this in her, I, it makes you think like, how do you, as a colonizer who's willingly doing this, how do you destroy one culture as you try to strengthen yours? Like, is there ever kind of a self-aware moment? So it's interesting to think about. Also, um, as far as the overall style of the story, contents of the story. I've seen some people compare this one to some of Octavia Butler's work and the action scene in a lot of shonen manga and anime. 
So if you like the idea of some of Butler's aliens being drawn in a graphic novel as well as manga style action scenes, I think you will appreciate this. Again, it is Prism Stalker by Sloan Leong. Thanks so much for tuning in today, as well as our sponsor for making the day show possible. You can follow me on Twitter for now. I don't know if I'll keep my Twitter, to be honest. Ooh, I don't know. But for now, I'm still on Twitter at Erica underscore EZE underscore. Big shout out to Jen Zink, our audio editor, for making me sound great. Thank you so very much. We will see you next week on the main podcast where I will be joined by the fabulous Tears of Price. Until next week, happy reading. Happy reading.